0: Meeting the people who are making the changes needed to tackle climate change. This is Follow the Leaders on KCLOR, funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee. You're very welcome along to Follow the Leaders on KCLR, our new programme where we will hear from people who are leading the way and have already made the changes necessary to meet the challenges posed by climate change and who are taking steps to reduce their carbon footprint. I'm Deirdre Drummy and I'm also joined by my co-presenter Robbie Dowling and we'll both be with you until seven o'clock this evening. Robbie, how are you doing today? Yeah, very good Deirdre, how are you? Great, thanks. And uh, excited to get our second programme underway. So do you want to give people a quick reminder on the topics that we're covering over the series?
1: Yeah, so there's five topics. They are travel, food and waste, the circular economy, local climate and environmental action. And the one that we're currently focusing on is home and energy. You heard the first of those programmes last week. This week, we'll hear the second of the programmes focused in on home and energy. And next week will be the final programme on that specific topic.
0: Yes. so and then what about this evening what's coming up this evening
1: yeah so this evening we'll be focusing on communities compared to last week which is more so on businesses and agriculture a little bit later on I'll be chatting with Councillor Will Patton he'll be talking about Tolo Tidy Towns and how it has evolved over the last number of years into something that maybe people listening in won't be as familiar with but certainly for the betterment of Tidy Towns Seamus Kelly of Callan Community Energy uh, will bring us up to date on everything happening in the Callan area and what they're kind of short-term plans are which is crucial when we talk about the environment but also their longer term goals as well so a really interesting conversation to come with Seamus but first senior engineer with the Southeast Energy Agency Alex Hamilton explains how we can all reduce our carbon footprint in the home I begin by asking Alex what her role entailed
2: well, I guess the Southeast Energy Agency, we're the regional energy agency. We're a not for profit um, social good enterprise, and we're here to help all the c- citizens of the Southeast to help save energy and reduce their carbon emissions. So that's our role in the energy agency. Um, so anybody who's using energy, which is all of us, uh, whether it's at home or I- in your business or in your school or in your community hall or your GEA pitch or wherever it is, um, we're here to help you he- uh, reduce that energy consumption. My role as the senior energy engineer. I guess I'm I'm, uh, managing the energy engineers who are there to help and give the technical advice. So we do a lot of the energy audits. First place to start when you're you're wanting to save energy is to look at what type of energy you're using and where you're using it. So you identify that through an energy audit. So our our, uh, auditors will go out and do the energy audit and help you there. And then from the energy audit, we will help you then actually implement those changes or those recommendations that are identified in how to actually save the pro- uh, save the energy. So we'll help with the project management of actually delivering the projects as well. So that's, in a very brief uh, nutshell, that's what we do. And how did you actually get involved
1: in this line of work yourself, I suppose?
2: I'm a civil engineer um, originally. So my primary degree is civil engineering. and I guess like many of us in uh, in the, in the, in the, the uh, recession, um, I retrained sustainability and um, climate action was always a passion of mine. I had actually uh, during my civil engineering degree, looked at uh, sustainable transport and, and how we can reduce the amount of travel we do. So it was always there in me. So when that when the recession hit and I was out of out of work as many of us were, I went and retrained and did the Masters in Sustainable Energy Engineering in what was WIT at the time which is now uh, Southeast Technological University so they they've got a good good course there. So I upskilled and uh, and then thankfully uh, managed to find my way into the Southeast Energy Agency.
1: And you touched on it kind of briefly already but I'd I'd like if you could delve into further detail as to what it is that the Southeast Energy Agency does because in my research I have to say it's very interesting and fascinating. I think our listeners would agree if, if you could explain it to us.
2: Yeah, well, I guess, uh, and again, we have grown as an organisation. So, m- m- you know, some people listening might have heard of the Carlo Kilkenny Energy Agency, which is how we started in 2002. Um, we started as the Carlo Kilkenny Energy Agency, and we we're working directly with the Carlo County Council and Kilkenny County Council and the citizens of those two counties. In 2016, then, Wexford uh, County Council joined the energy agency, and we became the Three Counties Energy Agency. And then, in, in the last 18 months, Waterford City. County Council also joined the agency and hence another rebrand into the South East Energy uh, Agency. So we now operate across all four counties. Uh, now we operate outside of the region as well but primarily our role is to, to help decarbonise and help the energy transition across the southeast. And I guess as, as I said we work with all sectors. So We work with the public sector, so the four local authorities, they have their own uh, energy and climate targets uh, for 2030, which is to reduce their own energy consumption and and decarbonise their own buildings and their own services. So we work a lot with the local authorities. And we also work with everybody else who is interested. So we work in the agricultural sector, the transport sector, the domestic sector, the community sector, the SMEs. So as I said uh, earlier, anybody who is using energy, we are here to help and support. And really, we all have a role to play. It's really, really critical. I think everybody is well aware of at this stage. Hopefully, uh, the the impact that we are having globally, and, and certainly here in, in in Ireland, we can see it in terms of the increase in floods and in the increase in in, in dramatic weather events in our in our uh, storms, etc. So that's that's the uh, impact of climate change in Ireland. And we all have a role to help reduce that. And now is the time to act. Uh, The IPCC report that came out a couple of years ago, you know, we are at a red, code red for humanity, uh, uh, as it was said. And we all have a role to play. So, but it's very... Um, mind-boggling. When you say, you know, to, to anybody, or if you ask anybody out in the street, well, what, what can you do? And that's the number one question we, we get: is there is so much out there, there's so much information. How can we? How can we act? So that's what we in the Energy Agency are there to, to help with. Come and speak to us, and we can help you identify small, medium, large uh, uh, actions that you individually, or you as a business, or you as a school, or you as whatever organisation you are. We can help you to actually identify what you. Can can do and then help you implement it.
1: And you mentioned there its origins in the sense that I started off as a Carlow Kilkenny Energy Agency 21 years ago now back in 2002. How did it, I suppose, originate first of all, and then has there been a kind of natural progression that has speeded up over the last number of years? Wexford coming into it in 2016, and obviously Waterford now in the last number of months. Do you feel as though that? almost is in line with the sense of urgency you're talking about when it comes to the climate
2: yeah good question back in in, it was 98 to 2002 there was a European project uh, so there was European funding for uh, the development of energy agencies across Europe so actually back in the day, uh, most of the counties, nearly every county in Ireland was funded for a number of years to have an energy agency. Um, so even though Wexford and Waterford have only become part of our energy agency, they actually had their own energy officers, which originally had been funded. Um, the Carlo Kilkenny Energy Agency was, was was funded for three years, but it was, it was uh, governed and put together by, as I said, the two local authorities, the leader companies and some of the uh, main energy stakeholders across the county. So they were quite uh, um, um, forward thinking at the time to, to look at it and go, We need to we need to make change, and we need to help with that. We need that technical help and that technical support. So the the, the, uh, development of the energy agency, as you say, 21 years ago. This is our 21st uh, birthday, and we're having a big celebration this year for our 21st. Um, So you know, we were quite forward thinking, as I said, 21 years ago. And a very good point. The energy officers within the local authorities who were there, Wexford and Waterford, have, have their own energy agencies and had, had their own energy officers within the local authorities. Um, and uh, uh, primarily concentrating or looking at their own, again, their own energy consumption and their own targets. And as you mentioned there, the the remit or the, the, the importance of us as a society making our climate uh, climate actions and climate changes has become bigger and everybody is more aware of it. So it's not just looking at the local authority. They are leading an example and the local authorities and the public sector as a whole are there to lead by example but it's the rest of society that we need to now bring along. If we look across the four counties and we look at the local authorities' um, energy consumption and their their, their carbon emissions themselves they only account for about 2-3% to of the region's emissions and energy consumption. So it's great that the local authorities are are doing a lot of work and they are doing great work for their own um, in their own buildings and their own transport and their own public lighting services etc but if they do everything they're only again impacting that 2-3% to so the energy agency and again the local authorities have recognised this that they need we, we need to work in partnership with all, all of the communities across the, across the counties and across the region. So that's, uh, again, our role in the Energy Agency is to help pull all of these communities and stakeholders together and help make a bigger impact.
1: You mentioned the communities and stakeholders there and obviously I think it goes without saying for a bigger impact to be made like you're talking about those people need to to kind of agree with it too. Do you feel as though there is a willingness there from those communities and people that you're speaking to to, to try and implement whether it be small change, big change you're obviously more on the ground and know a lot more about it than I do but do you feel as though there is that sort of sense of incentives I suppose for these people?
2: I think certainly uh, in the last 12 months yes. <laughs> um, and I think that's obvious to everybody. Uh, before that, you know, I've been in, 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 in this sector and working in this area for, for 11, 12 years now. And uh, the message hasn't changed and the targets have not changed and the ideas that we need to reduce hasn't changed. But certainly the conversation in the last 12 months has become a lot easier um, because people are much more aware and feeling it in their pocket. So we all, whether it's our domestic bill uh, or our, or, or our um, you know, uh, billet, uh, energy billet in, in the office or whatever it is, we've all seen the massive increase in prices. Um, so it's very much become in the last 12 months a much more day-to-day conversation that we're having with people. So when we go and, and, and I guess previously we were perhaps not chasing but we were trying to shout that message out whereas now we find there are people coming to us now looking for that advice because they're feeling it in their pocket Um, so certainly the conversation is becoming a uh, a lot more day to day and a lot easier to have
1: and, and a phrase that's used quite a bit when we talk about the environment and, and how best to help, I suppose, maintain it and, and further it again is carbon footprint. I think it's also a phrase that a lot of people, including myself for a long time, actually don't understand the meaning of. Could you explain to us what carbon footprint is and how people can reduce their own carbon footprint?
2: Yeah, it's a really good question and it's something that, that has become um, more apparent to us in the energy agency as well um, I guess even, even even up to a few years ago we were an energy agency full of the, 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 the technical engineers giving that e- engineering advice um, and we understand what a kilowatt hour of energy is or a ton of CO2 is, but when you say that to, to, to people that you're trying to help change, they don't understand it. So, again, the message in our energy agency we, we have a, a great marketing communications team in the energy agency now who help us um, make that uh, uh, message much more understandable and relatable. So, for example, uh, and again, we were very much concentrating on energy efficiency and reducing our energy, and now the conversation is very much about carbon reducing carbon and just to explain the difference there for example when we look at for example an old oil boiler so we've got a 1960s old oil boiler which is operating at 60% efficiency we can replace that with a new oil boiler at 95% efficiency and we'll reduce the energy consumption 50%, but we're still burning oil, so we're still uh, emitting carbon into into the into the atmosphere. So we're now very much uh, concentrating on decarbonising and getting rid of the fossil fuels. So there's a slight difference there, and the, again, the message that we're 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 putting out and the message that people um, need to understand. So in terms of a, 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 you know, and again, it's very hard to understand what a ton of carbon is um, and what our carbon footprint is. The number one um, thing to do if I if anybody is interested into understanding what their carbon footprint is is to get that energy audit. So our energy audit will look at where are you using energy, but most importantly what type of energy you're using, and we uh, can co- uh, convert that into carbon, and that will give you your carbon footprint. Um, and then what we do is we look at well how you can reduce the energy consumption and therefore reduce your carbon footprint, and we. Uh, again most importantly put that into uh, context for people so for example and, and uh, I don't know the exact figures off the top of my head but for example if a, a, a ton of, if you're going to reduce your carbon footprint by one ton of carbon it could be for example uh, uh, um the difference of of driving your car for a year uh, on on the road. So we simplify it down as to what a ton of carbon is in relation to driving your car, or how many homes is that going to be, or how many lights, how many hours of lights is that on for. So we simplify it down down for people so that people can understand well what does it actually mean. If I switch my lights off, uh, how much uh, carbon am I actually going to reduce by that um, by that action?
1: and I suppose something that you mentioned there as well is um, cost saving initiatives as well for, for people do you feel as though over and you mentioned the last 12 months particularly where I think a lot of people have really felt that but Do you think experts like yourself and maybe people who are frustrated by you know, obviously increased costs and cost of living and things like that have found common ground in a sense when we talk about tackling this because uh, it seemed like for a long time I don't know how you'd feel about this that maybe they were at odds with each other but now there seems to be an acceptance from both parties that the best way to actually tackle this emergency for want of a better word is to come together.
2: Yes, and it is an emergency and that's a good word to use. Um, it, it, It is emergency it is a climate emergency and we do all have to work together Uh, absolutely right Um, and it is really about uh, changing our attitude and our behaviour so when we open up our bills and we've all I'm sure opened up the the newspapers in the last few few, uh, weeks and months to see the stories of people who are are opening up thousand euro uh, bills etc and getting a big shock and you know that is shocking, and the price has absolutely increased. And it is it it it, it, it is very very hard for people to to um, to manage to pay for that. Um, in terms of reducing, we still need to reduce. So, regardless of the cost of energy, in a sense, we all need to act, and we all need to reduce. Um, in a sense, the high costs of, of of energy is again, as I said, making it a much more day to day conversation so that people are understanding, well, we do need to act. I can't afford to pay a €1,000 every two months for, for my electricity or whatever it is that the bills are coming in. So again, it's just really about making it, you know, the energy bills and the size of them and the emergency that we are in has really just made people a lot more aware of the actions that need to be taken.
1: And just to go back to our, our conversation about carbon footprint as well, how did the Southeast Energy Agency actually tackle that issue and how do they help people to reduce their carbon footprint.
2: The number one thing, Robbie, is to understand what your starting point is. So having your energy audit done or if you're in 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 a home in the domestic sector having your domestic your home energy survey done. So you know we can't make any changes if we don't know where we can make the changes if that makes sense so if we don't know how much energy we're using or what type of energy or where we're using it then we don't know where we can save it. So the very first step is to understand and to and to and to uh, investigate as to where the energy is, is being used uh, as I said what type of energy is being used so having your energy audit or your home energy survey is the number one thing to do because as I said you can't make any changes if you don't know where it is that you can make a change and that's the same with everything but specifically with energy. So having that energy audit is the number one thing that will identify where the savings can be made. And that's the that's the number one thing. Following on from that, then, we want to implement those and we want to actually uh, make the savings. So we've identified the savings or the projects, the potential projects, and now we want to make the savings. There are a large number of uh, grant programs out there. There is great funding towards energy efficiency and climate actions at the moment, whether it's from the SEAI or through LEADER or through LEO or through uh, 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 many of the other um, agencies, which is great. It's great news. There's lots of funding streams out there. So again, ourselves in the energy agency can help identify what uh, funding stream is, is, is uh, best for each of the uh, communities or SMEs, whoever it is that we're working with, um, and, and, and help apply for that funding. And then most importantly, we can help uh, project We project manage the projects and make sure that the best quality work, the correct and best quality work is being done by the best contractors. Um, most importantly then again at the end is to follow up on that. Has the project been successful? So if we had said your, for example, um, lighting upgrade is going to save you 10% of your bills, we need to check. You've got your lighting upgrade done. Have we saved 10% of your bills? So what we do is we come back 6 to 12 months later and we do what we call measurement and verification. So we verify, have those savings been made? And if they haven't, why not? And we can then move on on that. So again, we identify the project, we help identify the grant streams, deliver the project and most importantly, check has that project been successful in saving the energy um, 8 to 12 months afterwards. That was Robbie catching up with Senior Engineer
0: with the Southeast Energy Agency, Alex Hamilton. Now, we're going to take a quick break, but coming up, we'll be hearing from Seamus Kelly of Callan Community Energy. You're listening to Follow the Leaders on KCLR. Welcome back. You're listening to Follow the Leaders on KCLR. I'm Deirdre Drummy, and I'm joined by my co-presenter, Robbie Dowling. Robbie, moving on, um, you spoke with our next guest, Seamus Kelly, earlier.
1: I did. I caught up with Seamus Kelly of Callan Community Energy. He spoke to me about kind of some ambitious, but it also described them as achievable targets that they have in the community in Callan, which is always great to hear. I begin by asking him what Callan Community Energy actually does.
3: Callan Community Energy is it's it's an initiative that was kind of started out there in about 2019. Uh, it came from a leader-funded competition to find the energy community in the county and it was Callan um, at that time there was a number of uh, different energy initiatives going on in the community. a lot of them were driven and I suppose Patrick Leiden was associated with a lot of them so there was a good bit of experience in the community uh, around the renewable energy idea, uh, so I suppose we entered that competition uh, put a team together, into the competition and I suppose some of the the projects that we had lined up to do at that time I suppose were were, were felt that they were um, I suppose capable of, and, and they won the, I suppose the bottom line is we won the competition I suppose that was the bottom line um, so I suppose from, the, from there on then we, we started building out the company um, and I suppose that's really where it started so you know I suppose we started to identify different projects then that we could we could do, and I suppose the aim of the company was to make cal and carbon neutral by 2030. And I suppose to look at all the different elements of the community—through business, residential, social inclusion, every every element of the community. We we, we felt that if we could link in and, and, and make the company the property of everyone, that we could actually see what 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 are the the the, the paths forward. To, to achieve that goal of making um, Caling power neutral by 2030. So that's, that's, that's kind of where we started out. And so after that, then it kind of is um, we, we identified a number of projects. Uh, one of the projects we would have identified would have been um, a car charging, so publicly owned car charging port um, in Supervalue. In Callen. And again, I what there we were very thankful to um, Dermot, Dermot McCabe, the owner of Super Value. I suppose he was very much in on the whole idea and he got into, in, into it, like, the, 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 the idea of that partnership between business and uh, community. So, I suppose, in, in conjunction and, and working with Dermot, uh, we suppose, designed um, and procured a fast charging system uh, our cars owned by the community suppose the, the, the general idea of that is we have a carport in Super car park uh, we have solar panels on the roof and battery storage within the system um, the individual pulls in uh, charges charges our car and makes the payment for same and that goes to the Calling community energy company so I, I, I suppose then the relationship is that's if, if 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 for some reason there's not enough power in it we can get that power of super value and if we have excess power we can send it to super value. So it's kinda to of create that model of your community being having the ability to trade. Um, with I suppose with business kind of it was really to prove the point. So we're probably the first to do that to do that point. So again that 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 was one of the things we got up. We have that, that part up and running. So I suppose that's again there's a, a number of other projects that we're kind of working our way through at the moment but i suppose that's the one visible visible one that's there so it's it's got a sign on Can canning, canning community energy and i suppose people can see then that they you have the opportunity to pull in their charger car and it's to the financial benefit of the community, which is to the financial benefit of the individual. So it's it's kind of that circular economy idea is there as
1: well, you know. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear about a lot of the things you're talking about there, but one thing I wanted to touch on was your aim, that Callan would be carbon neutral by 2030. Again, for a layperson like myself that maybe doesn't quite understand some of these terms, what is carbon neutrality and how do you go about getting there?
3: Yeah, I suppose... The way to try and map a plan forward. So to try and make and carbon neutral is really that we become in control of our own power. So if we can deploy enough solar power um, like biodigestion all these, there's so many different ways of, of, of generating a, an element of our own electricity and if we can do that by the green sources and, and and to hold the the economic value of that in the hands of the community would, would 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 be huge. But to go about achieving all that, um I suppose we one of the things that we did was we applied to get a energy master plan done for the town. Um and again that would have been in conjunction with the council and the SEAI. So we'd the energy master plan for the town would would, would look at the energy use in the town. It would look at the challenges and the opportunities within within the, within the whole town, and it would create a map and a framework that we could actually take the steps forward to to, to, to help the, um, the town become carbon neutral. I suppose examples of that would be, you know, engaging with, with a business. And putting solar panels maybe on the roof of that business, and being and having the ability then to um, yeah. then have the ownership of some of that power being there for, for for the community, you know. So I suppose one is you're kind of starting the conversation, and um, and also you're you're laying out that potential roadmap that people can actually look at and see. Look, yeah, and that people can buy into that and see. Then yeah, look, I think that this can work there could be another slight tweaks we can do in that you know in, 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 in your engagement them with the schools and um, again there's a whole range of options that can be done there and then all this is changing on a, on a, on a you know the whole energy story is probably changing on a, on a monthly basis. You can see that with government policy and, 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 and the bigger picture that, that's up there. So I suppose we're just trying to bring that down to our communities and, and what can we do to probably help the community to help themselves. And really, it's not about inflicting things on others. It's about looking at what trying to identify what the opportunities are for the community. And I think, look, I suppose it's, 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 it's probably a win-win there for for all. you know. But again, informing them relationships with individuals in business and with the community. Well, everything can be challenging to get all these things going. There's a huge learning in all that as well, you know, for for the business and for the communities. And huge opportunities, because if you can hold the wealth of your energy within your, you can hold it safely within your community. It it, it allows you to um, build out more infrastructure in your community. Yeah. it also it gives control back to the individuals in the community over their
1: own power yeah it's, it's really interesting and the way you're describing it there it sounds like it's something that could be adaptable for sizeable towns like Callan, do you feel as though and you mentioned their master plans that put a road map and a structure in place that these are things that are achievable for other towns not just in Kilkenny or Carlow but across the entire country
3: Oh, definitely, hundred percent. I think the the energy master plan, like, is the first step where where you can identify your your opportunities and, and and the challenges within your community. So every every single community can do that. And again, people could be very surprised at what opportunities are within their communities. And again, there's great supports out there. I suppose ourselves, we'd be you know massively thankful to to um, leader, and also to the county council, and and any other, the other the, um, energy agency in that. So the, the, you know, the supports are there, but again, yeah, I'd say that's definitely the first step for any community is to um, get your energy master plan in place. And then you can put all the structures, I suppose for ourselves, we have all the company structures, we have all that in place now. So that allows you then to move on to the... So it kind of has to be done step by step. And I suppose when you're doing it, when you're doing it as a representative community and stuff, I suppose you have to, we just have to kind of, build it out so safely, safely as we go forward, you know, because once you start scaling things, then you just, everything has to be so perfect, you know.
1: Yeah, and just in terms of where you're at at the moment with Callan Community Energy and with the community and the town in Callan, generally, do you feel like you're in a really healthy position since the inception of Callan Community Energy?
3: Oh yeah, I'd say definitely, I suppose we've kind of, um, we haven't been uh, putting ourselves out there looking for too much limelight we've been staying nicely below the radar, trying to get the, the, the structures in place first. So I think I think we are we're a, we're we're in a quite a good position at the minute. We have our we have good structures in place, and so we feel we're in a good position now to to um, take on any of the opportunities, and we're quite capable of dealing with any of the risks that are there. Again, there's a good team kind of built out around it. Uh, plenty of advisors you in, in all different corners that are that are very very helpful there to communities and that. So I think I think we are in a in a in a very good position. I suppose there is a lot of um, opportunities that we're that we're you know we're, we're involved with. And again, we probably won't go too much into them today. But we, there's there's some bigger projects that we're we're, we're, we're um, involved and in they'll all be there for announcement you know as we, as we step along the road over the next little while you know so we'll be quite happy again to you know over the next little while as I said with we, we, the Energy Master Plans plans launch will be the next thing that we're kind of dealing with here uh, with a project or two where we're getting solar up on businesses rules
0: Seamus Kelly of Callan Community Energy uh, they're chatting to Robbie and Robbie before we move on to our final interview we've heard from both Alex and Seamus uh, there the the past two interviews but what are the main points that you've taken away from those conversations so
1: from Alex's point of view I would say it was an education in the small changes that we can make and I think kind of a further understanding that those small changes can help us go a long way when we talk about, as both of us described, the emergency that we currently find ourselves in. And I suppose basic things that she was talking about don't require an increase in effort as such. It's just a case of, and I know this is this is very hard, but it's kind of more so about changing your habits, which, as I said, can be tough, but yeah. there's no real detriments to it. So I think they're the two key takeaways I got from Alex.
0: Yeah, and I think listening to Alex speak about that as well as finding a starting point, so so understanding yeah. where, you know, you're using energy or what what type of energy you're using. So starting out with the energy audit, uh, be it in your home or business or community, but also where she's talking about the need to understand, you know, uh, as she said, the engineers speak, the lot yeah. yeah. of, of energy or the, you know, the one ton of carbon. That's, that's just interesting. And it's getting that information out there for people.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And it was a really interesting point that Alex made as well. I suppose from Seamus' point of view the the one thing that stood out to me definitely from the interview was the fact that they're attempting to be carbon neutral yeah. by 2030 and that's really brilliant to see and it's ambitious, it's lofty but it's achievable and I think that's the key thing with anything that we're speaking about um, when we're talking about home and energy specifically that okay, some of these things might might seem like they're hard to do but they're within the realms of possibility and I certainly think Callan trying to attain carbon neutrality by 2030 is a really good sign and you just you can hear it in Seamus' voice that it is really something that is feasible and I really wish them the best luck with
0: it yeah and, and he talks about bringing the whole community and getting the, the whole community involved and the partnership between business and community yeah Um. you know so it, it is very much in terms of what the community can do together
1: yeah exactly that's yeah. it I would have to say I just think the, the community feel about it when I spoke to James you could tell that and I, I think that is something as well that he touched on that was really great to hear
0: yeah and he also did reference the circular economy as well with the the charging port and you know yeah bringing that full circle um okay Moving on to our final interview of the evening what's coming up?
1: So it's Councillor Will Patton he's also the chairperson of the Tullow Tidy Towns Committee he kind of gave us an idea of how well Tullow Tidy Towns specifically is performing but he also expanded on the evolution of Tidy Towns and how it ties into the programme's topic of home and energy obviously that's this week's programme's topic and it was really interesting to hear what he had to say in terms of how Tidy Towns has progressed over the last number of years and how other tidy towns committees and people generally can kind of make small changes to their lives like they have with Tulloch Tidy Towns. First of all, though, I asked them about the work that Tulla Tidy Towns do specifically.
4: Well, Tullow Tidy Towns was formed in 1996 and uh, the committee has gone from strength to strength ever since. Uh, certainly before my time, there were people like Eileen McNabb and Pat O'Toole and Monica McCormick and Donnie Sturlus, uh, June and many others, all working away. And it, it grew steadily and it was something I've always had an interest in. And uh, when the opportunity came to join Tidy Towns, I, I just grasped it and got stuck in. Now, it was a steep learning curve because... <laughs> Anybody who knows me knows I don't know very much difference between a weed and a flower. <laughs> and if you ask me to name a flower, I'd be looking at you. And I just, at this stage, I look over at Mary, Mary Walsh, and say, Mary, tell me what what's the name of this one? Like, I, I think that's the dandelion, isn't it? Something, something quite simple like that. But we've we've been operating there in category D in the National Tidy Towns competition, and uh, that's a population between I think it's two and a half thousand and four and a half thousand and. Five thousand people, and next year we're hoping to move into category E because uh, Tolo has really grown at a huge rate. Like in the last twenty years, the population of Tolo has nearly doubled. So we believe that census of twenty twenty one will show that Tolo has a population of just over five thousand residents. So it's it's uh, we're growing and moving along, but yeah, it's been a really wonderful journey of discovery for me personally and uh, it's wonderful working with a team of great people and i suppose tidy towns is renowned across not just carlo
1: or Tolo but across the country but maybe for people like myself included who don't actually have a great understanding as to what it is that tidy towns actually do what is it specific to Tolo, tidy towns and the climate change committee that you do on a weekly basis
4: well, yeah, the, the, to be honest, the National Tidy Towns competition has changed completely, I think, in the last couple of years. I think people would have very much focused on it on nice floral displays and an absence of litter. Yes. Like that, that has changed, like, completely. So um, now there's new categories in there, like nature and biodiversity in your locality. Uh, another category that was there, sustainability, doing more with less. And, like, when you think, what does that mean? What Well, I'm always trying to think about that myself, like rainwater harvesting. Here in the Paris Centre where we're doing this interview, we actually have rainwater harvesting off the roof and we've got two 1,000 litre IBC tanks, you know, the the white tanks with the the metal frame around them. We've got two of them hooked up and we uh, save the rainwater and we use that rainwater where we have to uh, on uh, watering our floral displays during the summer, particularly the real hot summers. It's a godsend to have uh, water there and we're not taking it out of the river and we're not taking it from the public supply so that's two big things the um the other one is even thinking about the schools like you've probably come across the junk couture uh, competition uh which Tuller Community School enters every year and and we've had really good some really good regional winners and national winners as well so it's great to have that so it's also about climate change and how the work we do affects climate change so it's gone from as I say the, the nice floral displays uh and the liquor pitting to a lot more than that. And today, you know, we're really concerned about biodiversity in nature and the effect, the decline of biodiversity. Um, Just this week alone, the British and Irish Botanical Society published a report suggesting that... um, the number of native species of plants has dropped below half what it was in the 1950s. And that concerns us too here in Tolo. and we have a number of projects set about to address that. So as you can see, <laughs> it's really changed and we're growing and developing with it.
1: Do you feel as though whereas maybe at the start it was about just the focus is on the town and keeping it tidy which of course still stands today but that there's more of a conscious effort to actually help the environment knowing that not just in the short run but in the long run this will be hugely beneficial to society generally but also the town itself
4: Yeah, I I, I wholeheartedly agree with that statement the the idea of uh, you know in the Category of Nature and Biodiversity. Tolo is leading in the county. Right. Uh, so we're really pleased about that. We have 42 marks out of 50. We're at the top end of that. And we're not lying on our laurels. In the last couple of years, we've commissioned various different reports. Like we looked at the River Slaney Riparian Zone. And we'd like to say that local um, horticulturist Lisa, or ecologist rather, Lisa Dowling, based in Carlow, uh, did a report for us on that. And there's going to be a couple of actions actioned in the next couple of months arising from that Uh, we're currently working on uh, a community biodiversity action plan and we're very grateful to the Community Foundation of Ireland for uh, finance to help with that so we're working with ecologist Deborah Darcy from Enniscorti we 're putting together the plan uh, eight seven or eight of our volunteers have actually uh, volunteered to undergo uh, a number of days training uh, with Carlo leader company and uh, we're that's with very connect I think is the name of the company there so not alone are we we're going to try and get our hands dirty in this one figure out what the project should be what's doable what 's not doable like I, I'll give you an example of that in the sense that a lot of people say, No more grass You know what I mean? Let the grass grow, let the wild sit. Uh, and that's great. But have you tried to get a contractor to come in afterwards to cut a large piece of grass <laughs> that is three foot high, and the contractor's a little bit worried about it because they don't know what's in the middle of the grass, and they're worried with the blades of their machines get damaged. So you have to be picky about where you decide to put a no mo whereas it's probably easier to do a low mow, which means rather than cut the grass every two weeks or every 10 days, cut it every six weeks it's a little bit higher but it allows the plants and shrubs and the weeds which are flowers with a different name uh, to to grow and to offer food to uh, our pollinators For, for instance this time of the year now Uh, the dandelions will start to appear in our lawns. Now, several years ago, I would have been, dandelions, oh no. (laughs) To me, it's a sign of a poor lawn and whatever. I haven't put down the weed and feed, and look at this herd of yellow weeds looking at me. My attitude's completely changed because I now realize those dandelions, they are an early food source for our pollinators, for our bees, our honeybees, we think of, but there's 70 odd wild bumblebees and different bee types of um, uh, pollinators across Ireland. And without those dandelions, they could starve. So one of our policies here is to start swapping away from nice looking flowers like, say, daffodils. Daffodils aren't a great food source for pollinators. So we're swapping away from that and looking differently. So we're now looking at sowing snowdrops, crocus, Allium, um, muscary armenium and apologise if I mispronounced that <laughs> <laughs> as I said I'm not, I'm not the greatest person at, uh, and we're looking at herbs like basil and borage and oregano and shrubs like berberis and broom and coniaster and hebe and we're looking at changing what we plant where we plant so that If we do this well, uh, there will be an all year round food source for our pollinators and we can only benefit from that. Um, If you think about this logically, if all our pollinators were to die out, so would all our crops.
0: Councillor Will Patton and Robbie discussing the Tudlow Tidy Towns Committee there. And unfortunately, that's all we have time for this week on the programme. We'll continue our conversation on home and energy next week. But a big thank you to all of our guests this evening. Thanks mostly to you for listening. And that's it from Robbie and myself. Stay tuned for Fully Loaded with Owen Carey coming up after the seven o'clock news. Follow the leaders, meeting the people who are making the changes needed to tackle climate change. A or production funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence
4: fee.